Um, but that was, what was that, like 1917 or something like that. So those are the only games I remember that were really close that I watched. Why can't we... we I wish we would have had those kind of games or even anything with the kind of excitement that this game had. What a what a sensational game in a sense. Uh, started out bad, but boy, that second half by the San Francisco 49ers. Incredible game, incredible comeback, and um, very a lot of weird stuff to talk about, as always. Um, I, I guess the first thing I want to get into, of course, the thing that uh, everybody talks about with the Super Bowl, the commercials. Um. It was a game that was viewed by the third largest audience in U.S. history. More than 108 million people tuned in to watch Super Bowl 47. And a good day for CBS, I suppose, until just after halftime. First of all, I just want to mention the commercials because they were so average. Every year they seem to get worse and worse. And you know, the, the commercials this year, people spent $3.7 million for a 30-second spot. Every time I would see a commercial, I would go, wow, that's $3.7 million that company just invested, and I really couldn't care less. Half the time, I didn't even know what the commercial was for. I didn't understand the the advertising strategy behind some of the commercials, like the Stevie Wonder thing with the, I don't know, he's like a, a magician or something. I, I didn't exactly understand that, but... Um, the, the big winner in the commercials, I guess, was GoDaddy. Many years, GoDaddy strikes out or they don't even get their commercial aired or they have to come up with an alternative version because the NFL or the network puts the kibosh on it. This year, they had some nerdy-looking dude making out with some model, some chick I had never heard of, but uh, you know, attractive woman making out with this really ugly, weird-looking dude. And... Um, you know, they had to take make a bunch of takes on that commercial and they had these kissing noises and it was really kind of gross, but a very effective commercial for GoDaddy. And uh, I think they were the big winner in the commercial sweepstakes. I really don't want to harp on this too much because we just have so much to get to today, so many different things to talk about that I can't really spend as much time on the commercials as I might otherwise. Um, frankly, I didn't watch some of them because I just, uh, you know, I used the time to get up and make a snack or grab a beer or go to the bathroom or just, I, I really just zone out. Like I'm, I'm so trained to zone out on commercials that sometimes I would be sitting there watching them and then I would kind of reflect on it and go, what the hell did I just watch? I'm not even sure what that was that I just saw. Uh, nevertheless, that was, uh, that was that. And then, uh, the car commercials are as always pretty boring. Um, I don't know. I went back and actually watched some of the commercials later. Nothing that really stood out to me, aside from the GoDaddy ad and a couple others. Um, the one with the with the farmers and their their I don't know. That was that was weird. Um, what else? I don't know. It just a very average crop of commercials. That's what I noticed. I noticed that people spent a whole lot of money to give us ads that were incredibly ordinary. The kind of things that. I didn't find particularly funny, particularly unfunny, particularly in good taste or bad taste or anything like that. I, I don't know. It just got to a point where um, I, I wasn't really all that interested. And frankly, if I, I made a list, but if I, if I have to go back and look at my list right now, then that means that the advertising wasn't really all that effective now, was it? I am, again, I'm ingrained to sort of just tune it out. So that's, you know, you're going to have to do a lot better at marketing, I guess, to get to a guy like me. Uh, the game itself, 
not a whole lot to talk about in the first half. Um, it was all Ravens. Uh, they came out, scored early, uh, just really set the tempo, set the pace for the game, dominated that first half, uh, not only at the line of scrimmage, but uh, both offensively, defensively, special teams. Just all, all the way around, I thought the Ravens did an excellent job. Um, of course, even opening the second half, and I'll get to the halftime show in just a second, um, even opening the second half, Jacoby Jones runs back a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, the Ravens, by that point, are up three touchdowns, and you got to figure the game is over. I'm sure there were some people that tuned out, and then all of a sudden, boom, power goes out. Power outage at the Super Bowl. Now, immediately, some people had the reaction of, oh, my God, what if it's terrorism? Other people's reaction was, oh, it's New Orleans. This is the kind of derp that we sort of expected from that city. Uh, people just have a, a very negative attitude about New Orleans because, I don't know, it's it's just this whole thing about how they mishandled the situation with Hurricane Katrina and that there's just this sort of sentiment that something bad was going to happen in New Orleans. Um, certainly there was a lot of that going on on Twitter. My initial reaction was just, I'm sure this is going to get blown way up, way out of proportion real quickly. And what I actually learned was, no, it wasn't so much that. It was that, first of all, um, the, all the radio stations, all the stations that go there to cover it, they all lost their feeds. So some of them got back on the air via telephone. And so that was always interesting. And um, the networks, the TV, uh, CBS, they put their little studio back up there. They had uh, their analysts out. But what I thought was interesting was they were trying to vamp for more than 30 minutes. They're trying to come up with angles and talk about it. And then they try to talk about the game. They're trying to talk about anything that they possibly can. These guys are just incapable of ad-libbing and coming up with anything on the spot. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, um, here you have people that are supposedly professional broadcasters and they're unable to talk extemporaneously. It was just, um, it was a, a, a sort of a, a nightmare if you're sitting there at home kind of watching this. And really, I think at that point, most people took to social media to figure out what was going on or they went to other news sources. Some people probably did what I did. Check out the radio, check out other other outlets and just see how they're covering it. Some people um, some people probably just turned the game off and went to bed at that point. They were like, I, I can't sit here and wait out this delay. I don't really care. It's a blowout anyway. I think it's over. Um, and I know that uh, Jim Harbaugh, of course, this is the the game between the brothers Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, the 49ers was just livid with the situation. He couldn't figure it out. He just, it was just another nightmare and what was a downhill slide for him. So it was looking to be just a, a terrible game and a terrible event. For me, I, I just found it more fascinating. I wanted to see how the networks were going to cover it. I wanted to see how everything was going to play out. And then the game continued. The 49ers, lo and behold, got back in the game. And then John Harbaugh was the one, the Ravens coach. He was the one that wound up being pissed off. Um, and look, Colin Kaepernick, give him a lot of credit. You talk about a rookie quarterback that is showing poise and confidence to drive back down the field, to lead your team. And then, of course, the defense. I mean, recovering, uh, uh, recovering the football there. What was it about? eight minutes in or whatever into the second half. I mean, it just incredible, incredible game. Um, 
it's like it was a completely different team after that power outage. And you kind of had to figure that this could happen. Um, the Ravens certainly were on the sideline a long time. Uh, Joe Flacco certainly looked out of rhythm there just a little bit. And the, the Niners definitely got to him. It was a very physical game. A lot of calls, a lot of non-calls. Certainly, that was the big story at the end of the game. The non-call, the non-penalty that should have been. The Niners probably should have had a much better chance at the end zone. Uh, they were right down uh, deep in into the red zone, deep in Ravens territory. I believe what on the uh, on the nine-yard line that that call that was not made in the end zone. And certainly, uh, there's going to be there's going to be some things that are looked at in the offseason. But can you imagine? The the overwhelming tears that would have been shed, the QQ from Ravens fans, had the Niners come back to win that game following that power outage. I think John Harbaugh, I think the fans, I think the NFL would have looked even worse than they already did. They were kind of lucky to get the, the game out of it that they did. Frankly, they were only too happy that this became a 34-31 final. And really... I think the NFL dodged a bullet in this one. I mean, it was somewhat embarrassing for them, somewhat embarrassing for the city of New Orleans, somewhat embarrassing for the United States, quite frankly. Uh, here we put on our biggest show and, and all of this blows up in our face. But, but still lucky that it turned out the way that it did. Oh, I was not rooting for the Ravens. Certainly, I thought the Niners were going to win. Um, although I did say I would not put, I wouldn't take your money to Vegas and put any cash on this game. Nevertheless, um, interesting game. Halftime show. Wow. The halftime show is maybe one of the most awful halftime shows that I had seen in Super Bowl history. And they're only getting worse. I don't know what it is about either getting washed up acts or these bad, wussy sort of just poppy, crappy acts for either the national anthem, the halftime show. I know Tom Petty was in there a few years ago, and that's fine, I guess. I mean, I, I like Tom Petty, don't get me wrong, although his performance was nothing to write home about. Um, I know they had Bruce Springsteen. I know they had um, they had The Who. Ugh, that was just, just horrendous. I know that they've tried all sorts of different angles on it. Obviously, they did the Janet Jackson thing, and that was the infamous wardrobe malfunction. I don't know why they can't just get a good rock band out there, somebody that's relatively contemporary, somebody from the last 10 to 15 years. I don't know why they can't get them out there. Just rock it up. It's a football game. Why have Beyonce? And it wasn't just Beyonce. It was the reuniting of destiny's child which i know you were all clamoring for you know everybody was just clamoring for uh destiny's child and for um and for beyonce yeah because we all wanted more of this this was because when i think of football this is what i think of Uh, when I think of like a big 300 pound lineman slamming into another guy, like this is the kind of music I think of. Or I think of this right here. 
she did this song as well. And then, I don't know, I didn't see the entire halftime show because, you know, I just can't stand this kind of music, but, oh yeah. It's a little Beyonce for you. 1047 Kiss FM, your number one hit music station. 71 degrees. Remember those walls I built? And of course, was she lip syncing? That's the other question. Because as we all know, during the inauguration, she was. And was she lip syncing at the uh, Super Bowl? And I think she probably was. Does it really matter? I don't... Look, Beyonce is is fine to look at. Um, and, and I know that everybody, like... The weird thing about this was... Everybody carried on about that performance as though it was the greatest performance ever. Shows that I listen to, believe it or not, I do listen to other radio shows. A lot of shows I was tuning into, these people, men, guys, 40, 50-year-old guys, are fawning over Beyonce. And you know, it's not music that they would normally like. Come on. There is not... Present to me a 30 to 40 or 50 year old male that likes Destiny's Child. A straight guy that likes Destiny's Child. Come on. Really? Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. Say, baby, I love you. You ain't one in game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady. Like, do you, really? So that's what they put on the halftime show. I, I say this every single year. I don't know why they can't put on a more contemporary act, a more rock and act. I don't know why they can't roll out like the Foo Fighters or something. I mean, in the early 90s, uh, they should have brought out uh, Nirvana, for God's sake. We should, you have to bring out stuff that resonates with a football fan. And I know that the Super Bowl isn't just about football fans. I know it's for an international audience. I know that women watch it because they're out there for the commercials. A lot of women. That's a very stereotypical thought process. But let's be honest. The NFL is a male-dominated demographic for the most part. The Super Bowl is different. But over, what is it, 75% of the people that watch uh, NFL football games are, are males. And, and frankly, females don't want to see the crappy acts either. Women are a lot smarter than that. They don't want to see the... Beyonce, look, I understand Beyonce plays well with the soccer mom crowd. And I know that you want to do something safe. And the NFL is tired of taking risks. They don't want to see another uh, Janet Jackson wardrobe malfunction thing. I get it. I understand why the NFL doesn't go with um, more hot, rocking sort of acts. I get it. But there's got to be a, a happy medium somewhere between Beyonce and something that actually rocks. Okay, I'm not saying you go out there and you bring out, I don't know who's on the rock chart right now, Kill Switch Engaged or whatever. I'm not saying you do that. All right, but you got to bring out somebody that, bring out a damn guitar. I mean, Prince, okay, Prince, that was a, that was good. Prince was fine. What's wrong with Prince? I realize that Prince hasn't had a hit in what, uh, 20 years? But hell, that's still better than The Who, that's still better than rolling out Tom Petty. And again, I like Tom Petty, like him a lot, but I just didn't think that his Super Bowl performance was like just 
blew me away. It wasn't anything fantastic. I don't know. It might be time to start reevaluating these halftime shows. Stop with the pop crap. Just stop with the Justin Timberlake, the Beyonce, all this pop garbage. Just stop with it. I'm surprised they didn't roll Psy out there to have him do Gangnam Style. Although he says he's retiring that song. Nevertheless, I did see his, uh, his commercial, by the way. The bastardization of his song for the... I guess... I guess he's retired it, but if he will sell it out to the highest bidder for a commercial, that's smart. I don't know. If I were him, I would ride that Gangnam style. I would ride it all the way out. Of, I would take it as far as I could go. I, I'd be like Hammer. I would take that, just like you can't touch this. I would take that song and just sell it out, whore it out until people got so sick of it they wanted to kill me just so I could laugh all the way to the bank because he's never going to have another hit He's very he's teetering on the edge of fading into obscurity. It's going to happen this year. This is the, you know, he came in what uh, we started hearing about Psy sometime last summer. By this coming summer, he will have been a distant memory. So if I were him, I would collect. I don't know how much. How much do you think they paid him for that, for the rights to that? They had to pay him a pretty chunk of change. I mean, hell, that commercial, that's $3.7 million. But, I mean, they must have paid him just a, a, a big old hunk of cash for that. All right, so the halftime show, then obviously the power outage. What caused the power outage? Um, they're still not 100% sure. There was a, The electrical system was updated. There were fixes. There were repairs that were made to it uh, during the regular season this year at the Superdome. And they say that maybe there could have been a problem with that. Uh, they do not. Uh, they do not believe that Beyonce's halftime show had anything to do with it. However, because the electricity use, they say, was no different than any other ordinary game day at the Superdome, save for maybe a couple of extra transformers or a couple of extra pieces of equipment and a few more media members. But I mean, really, um, the electrical demands are still about the same for any NFL game. So they're not saying they're, they're saying that that's uh, pretty much ruled out of the equation. They don't necessarily suspect sabotage at this point, but they're not entirely ruling that out. There's just not a lot of answers, and I don't think there ever will be. Incidentally, nobody could find NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell when the lights went out. Nobody knew what happened, although there was a report that said that he seemed very apathetic to the whole thing. Yeah, it's not really that big a deal. And you know what? He's right. It's not that big a deal to the NFL because the NFL is going to carry on no matter what. Uh, the NFL is just one of these things, no matter how bad the games have been getting, no matter how watered down the product is, no matter how many injuries, no matter how many discussions about uh, concussions and safety issues and all of the various controversies um, and, and, and everything that surrounds the NFL, no matter what, the NFL seems to be impregnable to all of that. They seem to be just this unstoppable force. They are bulletproof, essentially. Although, who knows? Who knows? One thing I will say, it was just embarrassing for the U.S. We can't put on a big event like this. The entire world is watching the lights go out. That's the kind of stuff that I would have expected, perhaps in Tikrit, okay? I do not expect this from the United States. <laughs> you know the rest of the world was just laughing at us. They were just rolling on the floor going, oh my God, you guys are derps. I mean, really, you can't put together 
a Super Bowl. You can't put together an event without some kind of meltdown, some some kind of screw up. And of course, it happened in New Orleans. And you've got to feel bad for the city of New Orleans, the people of New Orleans who just struggled so hard. They struggled so hard to get people there. It's still a town that is recovering from Hurricane Katrina. It will never be what it once was. But they are desperately trying to get people back there. This was like a big advertising campaign for them. This was their opportunity. This was their moment. And whoops, there go the lights. And that's really unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the city of New Orleans. It's not as if the Super Bowl won't ever go back there because they're part of the regular rotation of cities that gets the Super Bowl. So, of course, the Superdome will once again have the game. But... It will be a few years from now, and uh, the next time they're back, of course, everybody will remember this. But the, the good news is at least it turned out to be a competitive game, albeit somewhat controversial. And that's something that the NFL really needs to look into about some of these calls or these non-calls. And um, I think they will. And the NFL has a lot of issues, even though a lot of people don't seem to think so. And I know that this was the third most watched television event in U.S. history, there are still problems with this league. And anybody that says they're not, you're just putting your head in the sand. But I did certainly feel bad for the people of New Orleans. Definitely. All right. Uh, This would probably be a good place to take a break. I've got so much other stuff to get into. Um, The city of Chicago says if you get robbed, uh, you can call the cops, but they're not going to show up right away. They got other things to worry about. Um, don't call us. We'll call you. We'll come, we'll come and check it out eventually. So certain crimes now in the city of Chicago are just not worth responding to right away. They'll get to you in a few days, maybe. Also, we have a new policy from the Justice Department. They say if you're a terror suspect, doesn't matter if you're foreign, domestic, it does not matter even if you're a U.S. citizen, you could be a suspect, not charged with anything specific not even necessarily have credible evidence against you. But the United States now says that the Justice Department does have the authority to use remote remote drones to kill you. Not making this up, something very, very scary that has been leaked out, found out, and we have to talk about that. And you wonder, you just wonder why people have such a distrust for the government. People like me that feel a little bit uneasy when the government wants to institute new policies little bit interesting, don't you think? That And of course, it's not getting covered by the media. I have to talk about that. Also, um, slightly more frivolous things, the Michael Groff Show Stupid News File. We have that. And back by popular demand on this program again today, random bumpers on the show. Yes, because we just love a little bit of randomness, a little chaos on the show. Um, so we have random bumpers. Just about anything from our music library could just very well be a bumper. Um so many thousands and thousands of songs could be anything who knows we'll have that and um did i mention yes i know i tease it all the time on the show and i say that we need to get to the pop chart and we just haven't done it but it's been months since we've done the pop chart segment so i know some of you got sick of it for a while but it's got to have changed by now don't you think it must have it's the michael graff show on a tuesday more coming up you're listening to the Zip Code Famous, Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com
is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely love her when she smiles. Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show on a Tuesday, February 5th, 2013. Mike at KMGX.com. Email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Graff Show. AOL Instant Messenger. Graff Show on Google Talk. Michael Graff on Twitter. And for everything else related to this program, you know it's always MichaelGraff.com. So you wonder why people don't trust the United States government. And this is not something that's new, although certainly the distrust for the U.S. government has certainly been picking up over the last 10 to 15 years. Um, a lot of people have a lot of questions about 9-11. I'm not one of those 9-11 conspiracy theorists, guys, but those conspiracy theories take shape from a general mistrust of government and from a general mishandling of situations. Then you take into account the Iraq war, which everybody knows um, there was certainly fabricated evidence, covered up evidence, things that were revealed that um, very well were either overstated or just flat out lies. So we have that. And then I think a lot of people were on board with Afghanistan. I think people understood the, the nature of the enemy that we were up against, the kind of people that we were up against, and the fact that people didn't like the Taliban. They certainly didn't like Osama bin Laden. Of course, he was found in Pakistan. But nevertheless, at least some people could have bought into the Afghanistan war. But there was even lies and deceptions around that. Obviously, the cover-up of the death of Pat Tillman, a guy who gave up an NFL career just so he could go and fight for a cause that he believed in, and then the military covered up the friendly fire death. Obviously, uh, it goes back further than that. The government lies about the Gulf of Tonkin incident. Uh, certainly the Vietnam War, there was a lot of things that were covered up there. It really started 50 years ago. This is the 50th anniversary coming up in November of this year of the Kennedy assassination. So there are a lot of things that people don't trust about the government. The, the war on drugs and, and all the trillions of dollars we spend there, the misappropriation of money, where does all that money really go? The fast and furious... Um, you know, Watergate, so many different things that our government is up to constantly and people have a general mistrust. Then you, you notice how they use these incidents such as 9-11 to go after your civil liberties, your personal freedoms. These are things that actually happen. This is not conspiracy stuff. Certainly they use that justification for the increased security measures everywhere, not just at airports, and for the formation of an entire new branch of government, Homeland Security Administration. This is all stuff that has happened within our government, and people have a gross mistrust for what's going on. And now, um, President Obama, just um, New Year's Eve, signs the NDAA, this, this Defense Act, which means that American citizens can now be detained indefinitely, without a trial, 
without evidence, just on being suspects of being a terrorist. And now to go along with that, uh, we have this. This is new information that has leaked out. Uh, this, again, this is not conspiratorial nonsense. This is not something that, uh, you know, that's just peddled by people that, you know, you think are out there. This isn't just the coast to coast AM crowd or the Alex Jones crowd or the InfoWars crowd, any of that stuff. This is in the mainstream media. This is actually from NBC News. A confidential Justice Department memo concludes that the U.S. government can now order the killing of American citizens if they are believed to be senior operational leaders of Al-Qaeda or, quote, an associated force, even if there is no intelligence indicating that they are engaged in an active plot to attack the U.S. The 16-page memo, a copy of which was obtained by NBC News, provides new details about the legal reasoning behind one of the Obama administration's most secretive and controversial policies. It's dramatically increased use of drone strikes against al-Qaeda suspects abroad, including those aimed at American citizens, such as the September 2011 strike in Yemen that killed uh, al-Qaeda operatives Anwar al-Awlaki and Samir Khan. Uh, both were U.S. citizens who had never been indicted by the U.S. government nor charged with any crimes whatsoever. The secrecy surrounding such strikes is fast emerging as a central issue in this week's hearing of White House counterterrorism advisor John Brennan, who incidentally is a key architect of the drone campaign. He's going to be the CIA director. At least he's supposed to be the new CIA director. Brennan was uh, the first administration official to publicly acknowledge drone strikes in a speech last year, calling them, quote, consistent with the inherent right of self-defense. In a separate talk at Northwestern University Law School in March, Attorney General Eric Holder specifically endorsed the constitutionality of targeted killings of Americans, saying that they could be justified if government officials determined that the targets posed, quote, an imminent threat to violent attack or an imminent threat of violent attack. This is fascinating stuff. Everybody was up in arms about the Bush administration and the fact that we went into Iraq under false pretenses. And look, I, I bought into the intelligence back then. I was on the air saying that it was it was fine. And, and certainly I was not a fan of Saddam Hussein. And I felt that he should have been deposed, although I felt he should have been deposed in 1991 when we had the initial war over Kuwait. Um, but I, I certainly was not a fan of Saddam Hussein. It was fine with that aspect of it. But the entire ground war, this whole thing that we're still over there in Iraq. We still have troops there. We still have troops in Afghanistan. We're still covered in blood in the Middle East. All right. And um, this is, you know, 10 years ongoing and, and now almost 12 years, 11 and a half years in Afghanistan. And I know that we're pulling troops out and I know that we're very slowly going back. But um, nevertheless, it's been a, a very long, complicated process that we've gotten into. And everybody was up in arms at the Bush administration about that. And some of it was justifiably so. It was horrific. Uh, certainly some of the civil liberties that were infringed upon during the Bush administration your, um, you know, the warrantless wiretaps that were passed by the Republican House back then, absolutely abominable. And of course, those same warrantless wiretaps were further strengthened 
um, by the uh, Democrats that came in in 2006 and 2008. So this is something that both parties are complicit in. But this is getting to a point of ridiculousness. And I am all for defending the United States, defending our sovereignty, defending our borders, defending our people. And I am very much against terrorism, as anybody should be. And certainly no fan of Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah. I'm on here talking about Hezbollah and Hamas and the danger that they pose to the Middle East, to the security over there, and really, frankly, to the United States and anybody who disagrees with their philosophy and disagrees with the Palestinians or disagrees with whatever agenda that they're pushing, this radical Islamic fundamentalism. So I'm right here with you. I'm screaming about it. I understand what you're saying. I know. And, and I certainly, I'm not sitting here trying to defend terrorists. However, when we're talking about American citizens being targeted because we want to, which is really what this says, this says we now have the authority to target somebody simply because we, we think they might be up to something. We don't even have evidence. We don't even have a credible risk necessarily. We have no charges, no criminal charges. And rather than doing due process, we're just going to drone strike them. We're going to kill them. Shoot first, ask questions later. This is the very thing that the Democrats were screaming about and saying that uh, the Bush administration had blood on their hands and that uh, George W. Bush and his administration and the Republicans were war criminals because they did this same thing. And now the Democrats are doing it themselves. The, the Obama administration, the Department of Justice under the Obama administration doing the exact same thing that was done and perpetuated back in, um, well, over the, during the last 10 years. They're doing the exact same thing. They are continuing this policy, this bloodthirsty policy. This is something, and again, I, I shed no tear for the death of somebody in Al-Qaeda. When, when Osama bin Laden was killed, that was fine by me. The guy was a terrorist. The guy um, eluded the United States, certainly put out these videos mocking the United States, masterminded 9-11. And not to mention, let's not just 9-11, the guy was wanted in other countries. Certainly the Sudanese government was after him. He was not a nice guy, okay? This is not somebody that was innocent of all charges. Got it. Understand it. I know that there are some people we just need to kill. I get it. But American citizens and saying that we have, that we're within our constitutional rights to execute these people, to just blow them up randomly, a drone strike? Really? What part of the constitution is that? Because I must have missed that. I'm, I, I, I have my copy of the Constitution right over here. I, I don't know. I could be mistaken, but I don't think that there's any passage, any article, any amendment. There is nothing in the spirit of the Constitution that says you have the right to do this to anybody. So I'm curious how Eric Holder and John Brennan and President Obama and anybody else involved in the administration or this policy feels that that is the right course of action. Somebody has to tell me about this because this and this is not again, this isn't conspiracy. Uh, this isn't conspiratorial nonsense. This is stuff that is a memo that is out. Probably another whistleblower in the government that as soon as they find him, they're going to string him up just like, you know, they go after they went after Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. They go after anybody that could potentially be a whistleblower. This is exactly the problem. I'm telling you right now, this is dangerous. And do you wonder why people like me worry about government policies? 
When we start talking, and I know I'm going to say it, and I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get heavy about it because I'm not talking about it today. But the, the gun control issue, you wonder why people like me get a very uneasy feeling when we start talking about these kinds of issues. Our government gives guns to drug cartels in Mexico under the Fast and Furious program. We knowingly gave guns to them for the purpose of tracking them, and we didn't think that that was going to come back and haunt us. Really? And yet, here we are saying that it's okay to launch these drone strikes. And you know, during the Bush administration, yeah, the drone strikes started, but President Obama has used these exponentially more than President George W. Bush ever did. I, I hated George W. Bush's foreign policy and I, I hate President Obama's foreign policy. It's bad. This is not a partisan issue. This is an issue about basic humanity. This is an issue about, I mean, we're targeting American citizens now. Think about it. Anybody who they suspect of being a terrorist for no reason other than they just think so, they can now target. According to the Justice Department, that's now legal. Yeah, sure, somebody might come along and challenge that. Somebody might. Nobody has so far. Don't you think this is a violation of international law? Don't you think this is a violation of, um, uh, of basic ethics? Don't you think this is something that maybe we should be talking about? Very little coverage in the media. Got a little bit. Little bit. NBC is talking about it, to their credit. The confidential Justice Department white paper introduces a more expansive definition of self-defense or imminent attack than uh, described by Brennan or Holder in their public speeches. Uh, it, it refers, for example, to what it calls a, quote, broader concept of imminence than uh, actual intelligence about any ongoing plot against the U.S. Uh, homeland. So, for example, they're expanding what they consider to be an imminent risk. It says, quote, an informed high-level official of the U.S. government may determine that the targeted American has been, quote, recently involved in, quote, activities posing a threat of violent attack and, quote, there is no evidence suggesting that he has renounced or abandoned such activities. The memo does not define what recently or activities happens to mean. So this is a very broad-based definition, and you wonder why there's a growing sentiment of distrust for the U.S. government. You really think that they can handle uh, everything that's that's happening right now? Do you really think that uh, all of this is, uh, well, it's, it's frankly, it's very scary. Never mind any other conjecture or any other point. It, this is, this is frightening. We have talked about the erosion of civil liberties on this program for a while. You know, Israel, who deals with terrorism, terrorism all the time, uh, 10,000 times more so than we ever do. They have many 9-11s all the time. Yeah, 3,000 people may not be killed at once, but a dozen here, five there, six there, two there, 11 there. You know, I mean, it all adds up. This is something that Israel deals with all the time. And do they erode their civil liberties? No. You go to the airport, you can walk right up to the gate. You know what they do? They profile people over there. 
Do you know how many times an Israeli airliner has been hijacked? Hasn't happened, what, 50 years? So it's not about security. As you know, my stance on all this has always been, just like Benjamin Franklin, just like our forefathers would say, those who would sacrifice liberty for security deserve neither liberty nor security. And that's the problem. And, and there has to come a point where people stop giving up their personal civil liberties for the name of security. Because pretty soon you don't have any liberties to give up anymore and you're no more secure than you were before. Let me tell you something. If a terrorist really wants to blow up a, a plane right now, do you think a body scanner is going to stop them? We've already demonstrated how the body scanners are flawed. Do you think a pat down at an airport is going to stop them? Absolutely not. There are so many ways that a terrorist can strike an airplane. Whether it's within the plane or standing miles away with a shoulder-mounted surface-to-air missile. If a terrorist wants that plane blown up badly enough, they will do it. So all of these security measures at the airport are just window dressing. They're nothing. They're meaningless gestures. Yeah, you probably feel safer when you see a guy standing there with a gun. When you see somebody uh, standing there in an official-looking uniform, scanning 75-year-old women that go through, and 7-year-old kids, and middle-aged white men, and a black guy, and a Hispanic guy, and just average, everyday citizens going through, you probably feel a lot better. You oh, well, I feel great. That's wonderful. We had 9-11... And, you know, they didn't use anything sophisticated. They used box cutters. Box cutters can still get through a body scanner, just so you know. As can liquid explosives, as can all sorts of things. And they don't even use body scanners to everybody. But you're willing to have your, your body hit with a bunch of radiation for no good reason. You're willing to be patted down for no good reason. You're willing to be subject to random searches for no good reason. And I just wonder if you're going to be willing to keep electing people that are going to infringe upon the civil liberties of others. Well, I guess it's because it's not you. It's not you specifically. You know, I, I guess it's because we're targeting people, we're targeting American citizens. But, you know, it sounds like this is more overseas, so it doesn't really affect me. Why should I care? Right? But at what point do you stand up and say, this is a little bit frightening? Because this is a little bit frightening. So uh, this is something that, uh, of course, you're not going to hear the talking heads, certainly not on the left, talking about. And you're not even going to hear the talking heads on the right talking about it very much either. You know why? Because they implemented it. They, they got the ball rolling on this. And then the Obama administration picked that ball up and they, they ran it into the end zone. They have taken this and they have run with it big time. Same people that were screaming about it during the Bush administration, the Randy Rhodes of the world, the Tom Hartmans of the world, the, the only person on the left that I can honestly tell you that's talking about this and that actually makes this a point and finds it atrocious is that nutjob Mike Malloy. That guy is, I don't know, I don't have the clinical evidence, but I think the guy is insane. I really do. He has such vehement hate for Republicans. And frankly, he even has some hate for Democrats. 
He is so out there. But even that guy, as out there as he is, he's got this one right. So there are a few outlets, a few people that understand the importance of this. I'm bringing it to your attention because I feel it's important. It's certainly something that I, I feel needs to be discussed. When you have a Justice Department that says it's okay to use drone attacks to kill American citizens that, you know, eh, they might be up to some, eh, we don't have any charges, we have no credible evidence, we have nothing against them, but we're going to blow them up anyway. That's frightening. And it's a dangerous precedent. I really think a point I just want to try and impress upon you is to think about this stuff. Really give some of this some serious thought because the information is out there. As I always say, whenever I present you a story on this show, whenever we talk about something, don't just take my word for it. Go out and research it yourself if you don't believe me. And then let's have a, a serious discussion about it. But I, I'm going to say this. Something like this where the government can just randomly kill people, whoever it wants, whenever it wants, even its own citizens, and then argue that it's constitutional, that cannot stand. And it's already happened and it's already been done. We've killed people without probable cause. This isn't just about detainment anymore. This isn't just about control. This is just, it's wrong. We criticize other governments for doing this. This is the same kind of thing we criticized Saddam Hussein for. Oh, sure, he did it on a much broader scale and he did it in a more brutal fashion. He gassed his own people. Okay? He had mass graves that he dug out for people. But really, when you're talking about death, what difference does it make? Dead is dead. Doesn't matter how you kill them. Doesn't matter if you use a remote drone. Doesn't matter if you shoot them with a gun. Does not matter if you stab them or gas them or whatever. Dead is dead and wrong is wrong. And that's what this is. Period. Now, uh, another story that maybe not quite as heavy, but still, still a sign of the times and something that's serious. The city of Chicago this week says that they're changing their 911 policy. So their emergency calls, uh, they'll no longer come right away to reports of things like criminal damage to property, vandalism, etc., vehicle thefts, garage burglaries, or other crimes in which the suspect is no longer on the scene and the victim isn't in immediate danger. The move will free up an equivalent of 44 police officers a day for patrol duties. CBS 2's Jim Williams uh, spoke to some Chicago area residents who feel that this is the wrong move for the police. On the block where burglars broke into a home on Christmas Day, Carmen Curio uh, has a strong opinion on the new 911 response plan. Quote, I think it's ridiculous. I think if there's a burglary, they've got to come. It's what we pay for. They have to come, she said. Yes and no. This is a situation where Chicago is a city that is, it's almost war-torn at this point. It is a city that is fast becoming one of the most dangerous in the country. Crime rate continues to escalate, whereas in some, some parts of the country, crime rate is going down. In Chicago, crime rate continues to escalate. Um, I should just point out that Chicago does have one of the most strict gun laws in the country, but crime continues to escalate, gun crime as well. Um, murders continue to skyrocket and uh, even crimes such as larceny, grand theft auto, vandalism, armed robbery. These are all crimes that continue to go up in the Chicago area. According to the latest statistics, 
Chicago, yes, it's one of the 10 most dangerous cities in the United States. It's fast approaching New Orleans, Detroit, East St. Louis. It's it's really becoming a dangerous place. And, um, you know, the police are out there saying, well, we just don't have the time or the manpower to go and investigate these minor crimes anymore, vandalism and property theft, which, you know what that tells criminals? That says, hey, free reign, do whatever you got to do. Go out there, steal stuff. Um, we have uh, citizens that are unarmed. We have citizens that uh, now, they if they call the cops, you know they're not, they're not going to show up. So go ahead and uh, burglarize and vandalize and thieve your way to profit. That's what a policy like this says. When you have an, an open public policy like this, it just tells the criminals you're giving up. Rather than try and be introspective and bring in more police, Chicago, of course, as you know, it's also a city where taxes continue to go up. They do pay some of the steeper taxes of any major metropolitan area. And they're wondering where their tax dollars are going. That's what a lot of people are wondering. Police said officers will always take information about crimes at district stations or over the phone, even if officers don't respond in person. Well, that makes me feel better. I can always go down to the police department and report my car stolen. Oh, wait, I can't get there because my car was stolen. Um, well, I could call them up on the phone. Unless, of course, my phone was stolen. I go to a neighbor's house and call them. Well, uh, so what's, what's the deal? Well, I'd like to talk, but, you know, I'm at my neighbor's house because my property was all stolen. Hey, do you think you guys could spare a minute and come up here and, and uh, we could figure this out maybe? This is just scary stuff. Add Chicago to the list of cities that I will not be living in anytime soon. It is really becoming a dangerous place. They have a police presence. Certainly have one of the larger police forces in the country. But now you're just, you're just going to tell them, well, don't bother showing up to burglaries or vandalism. We're going after the real criminals. So you're, you're telling criminals, hey, well, go ahead and vandalize. Do whatever you got to do. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see how that works out for them. Oh, to be a resident in the city of Chicago right about now. Can't be very much fun. I used to have a couple of people that listen to this show from Chicago, but um, I haven't heard from them in a while. I wonder if they've been hijacked. I wonder if they've had any property stolen. Probably. Who knows? Uh, how's that going to work out for you guys? All right. I've got to take a break. We've got a lot of other stuff to get into. The Donald is back in the news. Donald Trump once again making headlines. Remember a few months ago when Donald Trump offered $5 million to see President Barack Obama's birth certificate? Yes, Trump is one of those birther guys. Well, he's back again. This time, he's bringing a lawsuit against another celebrity. A celebrity that I, I can't really stand. So I'm not really sure whose side to be on in this debate must be nice to have $8 billion or whatever Donald Trump's net worth is right about now. You must just get bored. Want to throw that money around arbitrarily, suing anybody. It's got to be a fun life, I guess, on some level. It sounds like he's bored, though. So we'll talk about that. Plus, I have the real cause of the power outage at the Super Bowl the other night. We've done our research here at the Michael Graff Show. We have tracked it down, the real cause, and I will bring that to you. Plus, try to squeeze in the pop chart, and we have so much more to get to. Just a cavalcade of stuff. Why not? 
Mike at KMGX.com. Email Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. MichaelGroff.com for everything else. We'll be back. Michael Groff Show. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com. show is chaotic so why not the music selection and check this out the donald back in the news once again donald trump after his big revelation that he's one of these birther guys a few months ago and he demanded to see president barack obama's birth certificate he said that he would give five million dollars to charity i think he updated it to about 50 million dollars right before his deadline that he set that was right before the election remember donald trump had that big announcement that was going to shock the world. and Anyway, so um, fresh off of that, he's been out of the spotlight for a couple of months. Now he's back again, this time with a lawsuit. This has nothing to do with birther issues. This has nothing to do with um, Barack Obama. But it does have to do with a political guy in a sense. Um, a little background on this story. So early in the month of January... Bill Maher was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And Bill Maher, you know, he's uh, a very controversial figure in and of himself, a very liberal guy, was the host of Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher for all those years. And now I think he still has that show on HBO or some... some I haven't really watched Bill Maher in a long time. Uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, he's still out there. He's still in the spotlight. And Bill Maher, somehow or another, Donald Trump's name got brought up. And Bill Maher quickly said that he would give Donald Trump $5 million if he could prove that he wasn't, quote, the spawn of his mother having sex with an orangutan. So right away, Donald Trump sent over his birth certificate. <laughs> he, at least he offers up his own birth certificate very quickly. Um, 
He sent over his birth certificate. He sent over uh, all the documentation showing that, indeed, he was not the spawn of his mother having sex with an orangutan. And now he is uh, he wants his five million dollars. He wants the five million dollars to go to charity. Uh, Trump actually has brought a lawsuit. This is an actual lawsuit that has been brought up. Donald Trump suing Bill Maher. Uh, in the name of charities, because Donald Trump says that uh, the, the charities are really the ones that he cares about here. Uh, this is, <laughs> I can't believe this. This is tying up the court's time. Quote, this is from Donald Trump. I don't know whether this case will be won or lost, but I felt a major obligation to bring it on behalf of the charities listed, namely Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, American Cancer Society, Hurricane Sandy Victims, March of Dimes, and the Police Athletic League. Bill Maher made an unconditional offer while on the Jay Leno show, and I, without hesitation, accepted his offer and provided him with the appropriate documentation. Prior demands for payment went ignored by uh, Mr. Maher, despite the fact that the beneficiaries of this suit will ultimately be the charities named above, who would share equally the $5 million, something I am certain they could desperately use. So that is Donald Trump's lawsuit. I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know whose side to be on. Um, I, I'd like to be on the court system side. I'd actually kind of like to be a judge for this case. So I could just, I could take it like, be like, all right, let's see what we've got here. Mr. Trump, you are suing Mr. Marr for $5 million because he claimed you are the son of your mother having sex with an orangutan. And you have provided court documents to uh, show us that you are not. All right, now here's what I'm going to do with your case. And it would be thrown away. Oh, and um, you're both in contempt of court for being stupid. Can you, can you put somebody, uh, can you find somebody in contempt of court just for complete stupidity? I know you can for them just being outrageous, being dumb, uh, you know, in court, flipping the judge off. Like we had a, there's a story out of Florida where um, a guy, a guy doesn't really like the judge's ruling. So he decides to flip off the judge. And so he gets an, on top of a $10,000 fine. He also gets to spend 30 days in jail for contempt of court. But this is an actual case that has been filed. Is there really a winner in a case like this? There's no secret. I don't like Bill Maher. I find him to be a condescending, arrogant, narcissistic jackass. I don't think there's anyone on this planet more smug than he. Although Donald Trump probably does run a close second. But at least Donald Trump is somewhat interesting. Yeah, you don't really agree with a lot of what he says or does. But at least he's entertaining. You got to give it up to the Donald for that. And at least, you know, he's a su successful business guy. So much so that he can go around filing $5 million lawsuits at the drop of a hat just because you say something stupid. And believe me, if... See, what Donald Trump needs to realize is if you started suing Bill Maher or any of these guys for saying something stupid, you'd be in court all the time. So I don't know why he chose this particular stupid statement. I, I realize it's because it defames his father and... I understand that he's uh, pretty bent out of shape about that. And that's really what it's about. I think it's because he took shot at his parents. That's not right. <laughs> well, there you go, Bill Maher. Uh, take that.
All right, this next story, let's file this under reason number 16,952 why I will not go to Mexico anytime soon. Uh, I know that the rap on Mexico is, oh, but it's beautiful, Mike. You, you just don't understand. And, and I, I have to say this, okay? I've been to Mexico before. Um, there are a few parts that are lovely. There really are. There are a few parts that are absolutely fantastic. Um, but generally speaking, most of Mexico is a dump. It's a third world country. Let's not try and dress it up. And I, people say the same thing about like Iraq and Lebanon and Iran. Well, it's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, there's diapers strewn about the highway and, and it's just, it's this littered trashy dump. At least every time I've been there, it has looked like that. Save for the beaches, save for a few kind of remote areas where a lot of people don't really travel much. Um, but frankly, um, and I've only been to Sonora in all fairness. I have not been all over Mexico, but I have been through Sonora and it, it is, it is what it is. All right. There's some parts of it that are fantastic, but, uh, I, the rap on Mexico is generally, well, if you go to the touristy areas and if you go to the resorts and all that, that's, that's where it's really nice and you'll be safe there. You're always going to be, if you go to Cabo San Lucas or if you go to Mazatlan or Rocky Point or Acapulco, you'll be safe in those areas. Um, yeah, hold the phone on that. A group of tourists have been raped by a masked gang who raided their holiday villa in the Mexican resort of Acapulco. Local authorities said that the armed men burst into the bungalow rented by 13 Spanish tourists, six women and seven men, and a Mexican woman in Playa Bonful. Uh, this was fa facing the Pacific Ocean near the famous Punta Diamante area, local authorities said. The attackers gagged and tied up the men with phone cables and then raped the women who they had bound with their own bikinis. Police received an emergency call around 7 a.m., five hours after the tourists' ordeal had started. A number of credit cards and tablets, along with 7,800 pesos, uh, were stolen from the tourists, who were reportedly all under the age of 30. Acapulco's state of Guerrero, Guerrero is experiencing a bloody turf war between drug gangs from the uh, I guess this is the Michoacan, Micho, Michoacan family and Knights Templar. Uh, the war led to a series of horrifying acts of violence. The bullet-riddled bodies of 16 men, some of whom naked and showing signs of torture, were found in an abandoned van beside a state road. Uh, this was just a few months ago. However, Acapulco is generally thought to be safe. Yeah, and not so much now. In October 2011, the Mexican government sent 7,000 troops to Acapulco in an attempt to keep the popular seaside town out of the conflict. Now, how's that working out? There are travel advisories that are constantly issued about travel to certain parts of Mexico. Obviously, you know not to go to Juarez. All right, there are just certain places in Mexico you know never to travel to. Don't go off the main roads. Don't go to certain areas, especially in Chihuahua. Or, um, you know, down by Hermosillo, don't go there. Uh, stay away from some parts of Mexico. There, uh, and, and really, near the U.S. border, there's a lot of problems. Uh, so, 
you, you might want to avoid those areas. Uh, I avoid the whole thing by just not going to Mexico. Now, I'm not saying I would never go back to Mexico. I've been there before like three or four times. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying that right now it's probably not a good idea. You've got that NS, MS-13 gang or whatever they are. Um, they're still around. The Knights Templar. You've got this other drug cartel. You've got numerous drug cartels. There are certain towns in Mexico where the police have actually abandoned the town because of the excessive drug cartel and the excessive violence that has dominated those areas. We've talked about that on the show before. So Mexico, not a, a happy, fun place to be right about now. Here's something. This is kind of interesting. Speaking of crimes, you know, even Maricopa County Sheriff Joe Arpaio is not safe from criminal activity. Yes, uh, our own county sheriff here in the Phoenix area, Maricopa County. Uh, sheriff Joe, who's considered to be, well, he calls himself anyway, America's toughest sheriff, has been the victim of credit card fraud. Sheriff's officials uh, sheriff's official said Monday that Arpaio's credit card information was stolen and used to make a $291 transaction at a Chicago grocery store last weekend. Arpaio says that he hasn't been to Chicago in years and his credit card company alerted him to possible fraudulent activity. The Arizona Republic says that it's still unclear whether Arpaio's credit card was stolen or if the transaction was made by another means. He says his card has been canceled to prevent any further fraudulent use as uh, by authorities to figure out exactly what happened. It's happened to a lot of people I know. It's happened to me before. Uh, several years ago, I got a call from my bank saying that somebody had made a, a couple of, well, they wanted to know about a purchase for two tickets on Southwest Airlines to Dallas. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to Dallas? I had no idea. Um, so that was like 500 and some dollars on my card to go to, and I said, no, that did not happen. So of course, immediately you have to cancel the card. You have to get a new one. It's a whole thing you got to go through. I mean, the bank was actually very good about it. Um, there are times I, I, I have a love hate relationship with my bank, but this is one of those times where, uh, the love came through and, um, so it can happen to anybody. It happens to a lot of people. It happens to people every day. It happens to thousands and thousands of people every day. It's happened to just about everybody I know that they've had some sort of credit card activity go on. Um, the weird thing is, is I, I left my credit card once at a restaurant. I accidentally left it there. And it was a place I frequent often. So I, I didn't think anything bad would happen. But, you know, you just have a card laying there on the table. You don't know uh, who could just walk by and pick it up or who could just write down the number or something like that. And nothing happened from that incident. But... Probably at some point, somebody just decided to either, I don't know, arbitrarily enter in numbers until they got one right or somebody at a, at a restaurant or at a, like a Subway or a, or a McDonald's or, or some place that I may have gone. Somebody just decided to, you know, take the number for themselves and uh, take a trip on me or at least try to. wonder what happened with that case. You, have, you always have to wonder how many of these people that commit credit card fraud ever get caught. All right. Pollution in China has gotten out of control. Uh, this is not really news, but it's becoming news because now the, the pollution has actually become so bad in Beijing and other major Chinese cities 
that it is spread into Japan. And Japanese officials are now issuing pollution advisories from uh, westerly and southwesterly winds that are bringing in all this pollution from China. The Japanese Ministry of the Environment's website has been overloaded as worried users log in to try and find out what's coming their way. Quote, access to our air pollution monitoring system has been almost impossible since last week. And the telephone here has been constantly ringing because worried people keep asking us what the uh, how this will impact their health, the ministry official said. Pictures of Beijing and other Chinese cities shrouded in thick, choking smog played out across television screens in Japan last week. This has been a big thing. The pollution has been getting worse and worse uh, exponentially over the last several years. But it, it's gotten to a point where there's a picture that was out. I think maybe it was about two weeks ago of Beijing. And it looked like it looked like the foggiest day in London. I mean, you couldn't you could barely make out anything in the in the foreground of this picture. Forget the background. You really couldn't even see all the the, the buildings like they showed a, a picture of Beijing on like a normal day from a, from a couple of years ago or after a rain or something where it looked kind of clear. And then they showed this picture and it was like, that is unbelievable. Um, so it's worse than Mexico City, which is considered to have just insane pollution. It's worse than any other place on the planet. And yet you got Al Gore screaming about the US. You got people, you got our environmentalists that are screaming about our pollution issues. I've been to Los Angeles and I've been to Los Angeles on what they consider to be terrible smog days. And it's nothing. It's not even in the in the ballpark of Beijing. So you can understand why people in Japan are somewhat concerned about this. Obviously, tensions between the two nations are already strained. They're already very high. And now you have this issue happening. Just go and check out some of those pictures. Just look it up. Just look up some of those uh, pictures from Beijing over the last few weeks, the pollution, it, it will blow your mind. And I'm not an environmentalist by any stretch of the imagination, but there comes a point where you have to just acknowledge that what, especially China, is doing to the atmosphere. And I know here in the U.S., we certainly are polluters and major cities around the world certainly contribute, but China absolutely, uh, no holds barred, anything goes there. And... um Interesting for a nation that is so restrictive on how people can think and act and, and behave, yet the government and, and businesses are just free to operate as they please and, and any pollution that goes in the air goes unchecked. They don't really care. But even I think they've gotten to a point where maybe they're starting to realize the, the folly of that. You know, just like I'm not an environmentalist, but I don't think it's a good idea to start dumping garbage in the ocean. I don't think it's a good idea to just spread uh, choking sulfur dioxide uh, into the air. I don't think carbon monoxide is necessarily a good thing to be putting out in the atmosphere at insane rates. You know, I don't think it takes a, somebody that's an environmentalist to come to that easy conclusion. But apparently this is a story. Again, it's underreported. It's just weird. Some of the things that the media latches onto and some things that are widely ignored... I know it's China. I know that people just don't care. 
because it's China and they just figure, well, that's China being China. But now it's affecting other parts of the world. And so it's a dangerous situation. But of course, nobody will do anything about it because, well, it's China. Do you see what might be the possible dilemma there? All right. Anyway, I guess it's time to smoothly transition from one story of pollution to another. From air pollution to noise pollution. Let's do it. It's been so long since we've gone to this feature. Why not? Pop, pop, pop music. Pop, pop, pop music. It is time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of pop music as CHR Pop across this fine country of ours. These are the 10 most played songs on radio stations across the United States as provided by MediaBase 24-7. And, uh, all right, well, fresh off of her Super Bowl appearance, here's Alicia Keys uh, with Girl on Fire. Number nine this week, it's Maroon 5. This is Daylight. This is where it, it starts to turn a little south. It's Macklemore featuring Ryan Lewis. Can we go thrift shopping? This is thrift shop. What, 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 I'm so glad we went back to the pop chart segment. What, 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 It was 99 cents. This, this is actually being played on the radio. So it smells like R. Kelly sheets piss. So the pop charts gotten worse. I didn't think that was possible. Now, at first, Alicia Keys, I'm not a fan of, but, you know, okay. And then Maroon 5, fine. And then this. This is like a landmine on the chart. Then I bought a 
hello, hello, my ace man, my mellow. John Wayne ain't got nothing on my fringe game. Hello, I can take some pro wings, make them cool, sell those. The sneaker heads will be like, ah, he got the All right, listen, man. I can't, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I think we might just bail out on this segment. <laughs> we got to number eight. I think that's good. <laughs> all right, all right, fine. One more. All right, number seven. This this actually should be okay. It's Pink with Try. I actually like Pink. I've always been a fan. I'm not even afraid to admit it. She's not like Britney Spears or... Christina or any of these other, you know, she kind of does her own thing. Seems like a pretty down-to-earth person. What he's doing? Not a diva. How it all turned to lies. Sometimes I think that it's better to never ask why. I actually like it. So see, we actually found, I don't know, the Maroon 5 song's all right. We found two decent songs in the pop chart. Should we quit while we're ahead? All right, one more. <laughs> we'll just keep going until we until we find bad stuff, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Number six, it's the Lumineers with Ho Hey. You belong with me in my This song has been around for a while, still hanging out on the chart. It's a good tune. This might be the most, the the greatest amount of decent songs on the pop chart in like 20 years at once. Maybe collectively. Number five, though, is one of those landmines I was talking about. It's Will I Am featuring Britney Spears. This is Scream and Shout. Bring the action. understand if you have this on in a club but listening to this on the radio would just give me a headache do people actually do that do they listen to this stuff on the radio and uh, like do you like just grind on your passenger in the car or i mean what do you do i don't understand how this works
that Britney Spears doing a British accent or is that somebody else? Because it says, Will I Am featuring Britney Spears. Everybody in the club. Hello. I say, everybody in the club over here. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are in the club. We're sipping on the bub, as a matter of fact. Well, I'm in the club and I'm sipping that bub and you're not going to reach my telephone. Oh, that's a different song. All right, number four. This song is still kicking around on the chart. I, yes, I did look to see. It's Bruno Mars, Locked Out of Heaven. I checked to see that this was a current chart. It is. I like this song. I, I was not a fan of Bruno Mars initially. I've warmed up. I really have. Especially this song. It's got that late 70s, early 80s feel to it a bit. The good vibes end there, though, because at number three this week, it's Justin Bieber, I believe featuring Nicki Minaj, with Beauty and a Beat. It's featuring uh, Mina. Yeah, I read the wrong column there. Nicki Minaj, Mina, whatever. Swedish House Mafia is at number two with Don't You Worry, Child. This song is still around, too. This song's been around for, like, almost a year. Don't you worry, child. She has got a plan for you. Don't you worry, don't you worry now. Yeah, as pop songs go, I don't even really mind this one, either. I don't know what's so different about this that I don't mind it as much. Probably because there's not like, yo, 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 all over it. Probably because Nicki Minaj or Justin Bieber is not in this song. That's probably why it's okay. There was a time I met a girl of a different kind. We ruled the world. Alright. We were so young. And the number one song for the week. There you go. The number one song for the week is. It's Taylor Swift. I knew you were trouble. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago. 
Is anybody else just tired of the Taylor Swift thing already? Like, you're always reading about her. She has a different boyfriend all the time. She has, you know, another song about a heartbreak. Another another 20-year-old who, you know, is singing about deep philosophical love and all these other things. And it's like, just please. Like, I felt bad for you when Kanye West stole your, your moment in the sun. But my sympathy has quickly run out. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So shame on me now. Flew me to places I've never been. Till you put me down. I try to avoid news about Taylor Swift or any celebrity. Like, for some reason, Taylor Swift is one of the few people I can't seem to escape even going to like a mainstream news site and trying to find just regular news and do prep for this show. But somehow, she always makes it into the headlines. Clearly, though, I'm in the minority, and a lot of people think that Taylor Swift is, like, just the most awesome thing ever. Um, I mean, that's why that's the number one song across radios everywhere in the uh, United States of America. So there you go. That's your pop chart for the week. We haven't uh, taken a look at it in a long time. Maybe we won't again. Although, I will say, what was there, like five at least decent to actually good songs on the chart this week? Either something is wrong with me or maybe those are decent songs. I don't know. Your feedback always encouraged as well on this or any of the other part of the show was going to get out of here. But I do have one more thing. Here's one more story to leave with. So, terrible story about a, a, a guy here who crashes his car into a ditch. He has a passenger in the car also. She's injured. Uh, he leaves the scene of the accident. He gets up and leaves the car in the ditch. He's found some distance away. This is after a January 21st incident. This is in Loganville in Walton County. Um, his female tra- uh, passenger was transported to Clearview Regional Medical Center. Now, according to the report from the Walton County Sheriff's Office, deputies responded to a 911 call after 4 a.m. They found the woman. Uh, they, they're still looking for the, for the driver of the vehicle. They finally caught up to him. They got the guy, Joel Lankford. They asked exactly, he was at a house. He was like hiding in somebody's yard, like about a mile away from the crash. And when the deputies asked him exactly what the hell he was doing there, uh, he said he had no idea because get ready for this. Here you go. This is the drum roll. Here is the best defense of the week. When asked what he was doing there, he said aliens. <laughs> aliens. He had no idea exactly how he got transported from his vehicle to this location, but he said aliens did it. Aliens. Yes, that's right. You know, what's funny is uh, I think we're, we're doing the booking for the next Coast to Coast AM. I, I've just provided them with their show prep. And now, Coast to Coast AM with George Nuri. I'm sure they're going to have this guy on. They'll probably give this guy two hours. 
Joel Lankford. Uh, for whoever, Dan Galante or whoever it is that's the producer of Coast to Coast AM, I just booked your guest for you. So you're a drunk and um, <laughs> you're a drunk and uh, you found yourself a mile away from the crash. How did it happen? Well, after the rectal probing, uh, actually, well, after I was rectally probed, I, I, I found myself in some guy's front yard. <laughs> All right, that's the best defense I've heard in a long time. I got to give it up to that guy. Aliens brought him there. Sadly, you can't make this stuff up. Is, um, has evolution stopped? I mean, uh, has, has it, or, or, for you creationists out there, has God just stopped making us smarter? That's a question I really have to know the answer to. Has evolution actually stopped or is it going in reverse? I'm sure there's probably somebody out there right now that's buying this story. He'll be on coast. He'll be on one of those shows. Count on it. You know what? We should have him as a guest on this show. Why not? We don't have guests very often. That would be the perfect guest to have. It's funny. Every time we try and call and book a guest, they always uh, their response is, who? And then they hang up the phone. I think we could get this guy. Oh, well. All right. Contact information for this program, mike at kmgx.com. That is our email address. It's mike at kmgx.com. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk, Michael Groff on Twitter, and absolutely anything and everything that could possibly ever be Michael Groff related, you can find at the one and only michaelgroff.com while you're there. You can listen to this or any other podcast of ours that we've posted. You can check out, um, well, other people's comments. You can leave your own comments, questions, suggestions, feedback on this or any other show. You can sign up for email notifications so every time we post a brand new episode of this program, you will get the uh, instant update. Just as long as you whitelist our site on your uh, email system so that, you know, our email doesn't go to your spam folder and then you say, You never do a show! What's wrong with you? It's like, well, we've done plenty of shows. They just are all in your spam folder. Oh, it's the spam folder. So that, that could be the problem. Um, of course, you can also donate to this program. All of that. Yes, donations. Many hands make a heavy workload light. Donations can also be done. All of that and more at the one and only michaelgroff.com. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate you taking the time to have me into your lives. And uh, we'll see you next time. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody.